Thanks for calling him. is the first meeting of the Rent Board Commission to be held in person since Mayor London Breed declared a state of emergency in regards to COVID-19 on February 25, 2020. I'm Executive Director and Board Secretary Christina Varner and Rent Board staff member Diana Flores and I managing the WebEx functions. Members of the public may also observe the meeting live online at the link listed on the agenda and remote meeting access information. This is the first time this commission is streaming its in-person meeting online and we ask members of the public for their patience. Public comment may be provided by telephone only by dialing 415-655-0001, entering access code 2495-655-4884 and then entering webinar password 7368. Again, remote public comment will only be taken by phone. The Commission will take public comment for members of the public present at the in-person meeting first, and then we'll take comment from members of the public appearing remotely. As in previous remote meetings and now in this hybrid format, I want to thank several people who have worked to make this meeting possible, including the Rent Board Commissioners, Corwin Cooley and his team from the Department of Technology, Rent Board staff, particularly Kathy Helton, Elvira James, Lee Hyun, Diana Flores, Lenny Gragason, Amir Omidvari, Senior ALJs Joey Kumas and Connie Brandon, and several other departments board secretaries who over and over continue to provide much needed advice on remote meetings. Thank you. The Commission has strongly encouraged interested parties to submit their comments in writing sufficiently prior to this meeting to Rent Board at sfgov.org. For members of the public appearing both in person and remotely, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged but not required to state your name for the record. If you're calling to speak regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence in regards to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be muted. Again, public comment from members of the public appearing in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, staff will open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. The remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the Rent Board's website at sf.gov forward slash Rent Board in the meetings section. The remote meeting instructions have changed slightly and members of the public who wish to provide remote public comment must enter a webinar numeric password after entering the access code. While you may view the meeting using the link located on the website and the agenda and remote meeting access information, I will repeat, public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. The phone number again to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415-655-0001. Again, you will enter access code 2495-655 
4884, press pound, and then enter the webinar numeric password 7368 and press, press pound again. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When the system says you are being asked to unmute yourself, to unmute, press star six, dial star and then six. Please make sure that you are in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, TVs, and other devices around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. You may then give your comment. To withdraw your question, dial star and three again, and you will hear you have lowered your hand. When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak during another public comment opportunity. Members of the public, particularly appearing remotely, please visit the Rent Board's website for ongoing updates regarding hybrid Rent Board Commission meetings. Thank you, President Gruber. We will call the meeting to order. And we'll start with item number two, reading of the Ramatushaloni land acknowledgement. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatushaloni, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatushaloni have never ceded lost nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on the traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community, and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. And so be it. A roll call, please. Okay, we're having some technical issues. Thanks for bearing with us. Okay, I'm gonna call roll. President Gruber? Here. President Gruber present. Commissioner Tom? Commissioner Tom present. Commissioner Wasserman? Commissioner Wasserman present. Commissioner Klein? Commissioner Klein not present. Commissioner Mossbrucker? Commissioner Mossbrucker present. Commissioner Crow. Commissioner Crow present. Commissioner Chan. Commissioner Chan present. Commissioner Sawney. Commissioner Sawney present. Commissioner Hung. Commissioner Hung present. And Commissioner Haley. Commissioner Haley present. Um, I would like to acknowledge that the following staff members are also present this evening. 
Senior Administrative Law Judge Connie Brandon, Senior Administrative Law Judge Joey Kumas, myself, Executive Director and Board Secretary Christina Varner. Uh, Rent Board Specialist Diana Flores is joining us remotely, uh, as is new Rent Board employee Heidi Liu, who is observing the meeting. Next is item number four, approval of the minutes. Uh, we wish to uh, approve the minutes of February 14th, 2023. Do I have a motion? Do I have a second? Any comments, additions, subtractions? Call for the vote. A motion to approve the minutes of February 14th, 2023. Commissioner Wasserman, Commissioner Mossbrucker, President Gruber, Commissioner Tom, Commissioner Crow, Commissioner Chan, Commissioner Sawney, Commissioner Hung, and Commissioner Haley. Next, we'll have remarks from the public. Thank you so much, everyone. We're having a little bit of technical issues that we're working out. So it is now time for the first of two public comment periods. The second public comment period will occur after the consideration of appeals. Both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. For all members of the public, whether appearing in person or remotely, General procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged, but not required, to state your name for the record. If you're calling to speak regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note, that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence in regards to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be muted. As stated earlier, public comment from members of the public appearing in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, Staff will open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. We will now go ahead and take comment from any members of the public here in the meeting room wishing to speak. And we are having a couple of uh, technical issues, but I don't think it will interfere with this at this time. So give us just one moment. <laughs> 
Good evening, everybody. My name is Justin Hickman, the law firm Zatters.
Hello. Okay, sorry. Um, um, thank you very much, um, Rent Board Commissioners, for having us um, be in person. I haven't really written down anything, but I felt I needed to do my due diligence of coming here and speaking to this case, which is item number C um, on this um, on the docket here. Um, I'm basically I've been living at 1235 Washington Street. Um, I moved in there in 1991. My roommate, who has been there since 1981, um, cannot be here. He's rather old, and um, I. I he might be, I tried to get him set up for um, Zoom. Anyway, that being said, um, when I filed the appeal, I felt that we were doing the right thing. This is our former landlord, um, and we were given rent increases over the past six years, and right before my landlord passed away, the daughters um, took over the property, um, their children, then moved on upstairs. Um, we decided to pay the rent increase because we were really afraid that we would get evicted. Um, and I had been there for a very long time and they tried to assure me that they were hanging on by a thread to hold on to the property and they didn't want to sell the property uh, just to find out that the property has been sold. There are former landlords. When uh, we were told that the, uh, the property was being sold, um, I went in ahead and filed an estopol and to, to really, I've, I figured this was the right move to make because I just felt like we were, all the rent increases were not allowed by the um, rent for the year. They were substantial. It was, the first one was 186 percent increase and they rewrote the lease because they couldn't find the initial lease uh, and they wanted to get this money and we were we were really like okay they they're taking over the the property we got to figure out whether we where we're going to live and um so therefore i'm here really so Uh, Andy Gladstone, and it would be item F. So I've been living in that apartment uh, since 1995. And just real quick, because I'm going to keep it to less than three minutes. Um, one of the things that was verbally said to me was that, that I had a unique apartment that it, it could accommodate tandem. Um, all the pictures and everything are in there. And I had been using it that way since 1995. Um, easily accommodated it. So when I had the appeal, when I had the um, arbitration, I had two, um, I gave one testimony that I'd been doing it consistently right through up until the pandemic. And um, I also got a, a, a tenant that had been there for 35 years saying that he's seen it consistently um, over that period of time. He actually asked me, can I park my motorcycle over there? It's, it's actually in the uh, um, testimony. <laughs> I said, no, because I like to use it for guests all the time. Um, and then there was somebody else who parked next to me. So I thought that this, I thought the judge erred because I thought that that was significant testimony. I said, I'm swearing under oath, okay? And I have other people's testimonies. Then point two is, 
the property manager who she said she she's never seen another car parked behind me okay she's never seen it she wasn't the resident manager but she said she'd never seen another car parked behind it so i started probing in my session how many friday saturday nights have you been there and so forth and they said that was not pertinent it was irrelevant right so basically my what i'm saying is even if she is telling the truth, right, which I'll respect, she's just basically saying she never saw another car there. I've got sworn testimony that I did, okay? Then what I subsequently did is I got four more testimonies, and you could see on the bottom, Gil Garcia, who's Ellis's attorney, Frank Wong, a, a general counsel, Shirley Hisawaga owns her own business, and Peter Ryan, also a prominent attorney, who used my spots, and they have testified over 65 times, they said minimums, and it's all in those declarations, that they are swearing and they'll come down, like we have to take it to the next level, that they're swearing that they've used it. So basically, in a nutshell, sorry. Sorry. So, in a nutshell, the judge is basically saying, I'm lying, okay? Sorry? What's that? Oh. Thank you for letting me speak in today, or just me. This is a 16 Gary Street, apartment 34. I live in here, it's over 25 years. The landlord decreasing in my apartment, low floor water, everywhere, relocation, bathroom, sink, and kitchen. So they keep lying. They don't use the non-flow water in my in my room, but I already provide the document and picture PDF file, and also I have bring back the all empty box and then equipment physical um, equipment today, if necessary, if the chessman want to see. So I could I want to raise um, three hundred instead of six hundred a month because of decrease the service in my apartment. I have, in, I have living with the low flow water about five to six years in this apartment and then gives to me friendly issue. So that is, I want to talk. Thank you so much. Thank you for your patience, everyone.
Now that all members of the public in the meeting room have been given the opportunity to provide their comment, uh, we will open up public comment opportunities for members of the public attending the meeting remotely. The remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the Rent Board's website at sf.gov forward slash Rent Board in the meetings section. The remote meeting instructions instructions have changed slightly and members of the public who wish to provide remote public comment must enter a webinar numeric password after entering the access code. While you may view the meeting using the link located on the website and the agenda and remote meeting access information, remote public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. The phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415 655-0001. You will then enter access code 2495-655-4884, press pound, and then enter the webinar numeric password 7368 and press pound again. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When the system says you are being asked to unmute yourself, to unmute, press star six. Dial star and then six. Please make sure that you are in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, TVs, and other devices around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. You may then give your comment. To withdraw your question, dial star and three again, and you will hear you have lowered your hand. When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak during another public comment opportunity. Rent board staff member Diana Flores will be operating the phone system today. I will be keeping time. When your time is up, you should hear a timer ringing, time will be called, and you as the caller will be muted. Uh, Ms. Flores, do we have any callers raising their hands in the queue wishing to provide public comment? Yes, we have five callers in the queue. Ms. Flores, can you please allow the first caller? Caller, you will have three minutes. The caller has been unmuted. Caller, please go ahead. Sorry, I was having technical difficulties. Um, my name is Nikki Love. I am attorney here at Open Door Legal calling in regarding Can you please speak up, B. caller? Okay, um, my name is Nikki Love, calling in on item B. Can you hear me now? Yes, it's a, a bit better. Thank you. Okay, um, I'm calling in on item B227, Brazil Avenue, I'm calling to reiterate our statement um, provided in writing that this appeal should not be granted 
based on the fact that there was no testimony regarding a proper um, pass through of water. Additionally, um, utilizing the uh, tenant form of uh, keeping records should not be used to determine whether or not um, the landlord properly acted with regards to the water. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Ms. Flores, do we have additional callers in the queue wishing to provide comment? Yes, six more callers. Please allow the next caller. Caller, you will have three minutes. Good evening. <clears throat> My name is Edward Singer, and I'm here to comment on two matters. Um, first, item D, 1950 Franklin. I would ask that the rent board consider and grant the landlord's appeal on the grounds that, on two grounds. First, the, app, the tenant hardship application itself was contradictory um, on its face and that the tenant stated that there was only one person living in the residence while the rent increase notice that was attached as an exhibit clearly shows that there were two residents living in the residence and it was a, a rent increase notice against two different tenants. Second. As a matter of fact, two tenants do live in the unit, and I believe that the rent board has an inherent authority and a, a need to uh, make sure that no frauds are committed upon the rent board. Um, so for those two reasons, I would ask that, the land, that they grant the landlord's petition. On item E, 1369 Hyde Street, I would ask that the rent board um, affirm the decision of the ALJ. There were three grounds given for a request for appeal. First, that the rent, the rent increase was sent to both the old tenant and the new tenant, but that's in fact something that's required under the law. Second, um, the, the tenant stated that he, the new tenant had stated that he had paid the rent through an electronic portal system, um, but it was clear from the testimony, replete throughout the testimony, that the portal system was in the name of the original tenant and not the new tenant, and that that change was never made, and that the landlord was never made aware that the new tenant was paying the rent. And then finally, um, there was uh, the tenant argued that the landlord should have known that the original tenant had vacated, but again, the testimony is replete with evidence that the original tenant made every effort to mislead the landlord into believing that he still lived there, including in the petition itself, uh, which stated that it should be denied because he was still a resident of the premises. Um, with that, I uh, thank the Commission for its time and attention. Thank you, caller. Ms. Flores, do we have additional members of the public wishing to provide comment? Yes, we have six more callers. Please allow the next caller. Caller, you will have three minutes. Caroline Elson, tenant for item A, 1301 La Playa Street, appeal number AT230009. Thank you for taking our appeal into consideration tonight. I believe the record in this case shows the importance of landlords following basic legal requirements for notice to tenants when choosing to make drastic changes to the apartment buildings that we have signed leases for. By following the law, I mean both the letter and the spirit of the law and not omitting the critical details of what they're going to do 
that will affect not only our quality of life, but also the cost of us living there. I understand that the tenant has the burden of proof going forward, but when the landlord is allowed to not give us proper notice and allowed to admit critical details as to what they're going to do, which our written statement has pointed out in detail, we are denied fairness and due process when we try to address these issues to seek relief from these practices. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you, caller. Ms. Flores, please allow the next caller. Caller, you will have three minutes. Uh, good evening, commissioners and rent board staff. Uh, this is Brad Hearn uh, at Housing Rights Committee of San Francisco. Um, I'm calling in actually about item uh, number nine, uh, or I'm sorry, number 10, can be on just to give some comment on um, the discussion around proposed amendments to the rules and regs for the right to organize ordinance. Um, I'm the non-attorney tenant rep on most, if not all of the pending petitions regarding the tenant association ordinance number 3222. So I just wanted to share some brief comments on the issues that have inspired the uh, petition. Um, first though, I just want to um, give a, a paraphrase Supervisor Aaron Peskin uh, when he introduced the the ordinance. Um, he said uh, his comments included that 15 years ago he worked with the Affordable Housing Alliance to adopt Chapter 49A of the Admin Code, the Residential Tenant Communications Act, which codified the right of tenants to distribute literature uh, relating to issues of common interest. A decade and a half later, uh, he said, I've come to realize that it's more than just communications. It's about a right to organize and to go one step further, a right to have a seat at the table relative to issues of common concern. Um, so that said, these are some of the issues that have inspired pending petitions. Um, <clears throat> this is a little bit of a, of a list, but I'll do my best to be clear and concise. Um, one, that organizing activities uh, as defined in the ordinance um, cannot occur in the lobby of a building. Uh, and, and these are things that we have heard or tenants have heard from the landlord and that and, uh, to inspire the petition. Um, that because chapter 49A and chapter 37 of the admin code are separate chapters, the ordinance's language on quote, housing conditions, landlord tenant relations and issues of common concern cannot cover anything related to rent. Uh, that a landlord can say no to any association proposal without any credible explanation, counter proposal, or substantive discussion, and still claim that they're conferring in good faith. That good faith, as defined in the ordinance, um, for a landlord constitutes mere attendance at meetings and nothing else. That a landlord's rep can be someone with no decision-making power on the issues brought forth by association members. Uh, that the landlord, uh, rather than cross-checking signatories on a petition and unit counts with their own internal accounting, must verify the signature by calling the tenant, talking to the tenant face-to-face, -face, and or getting an email response from the tenant. Uh, that a landlord cannot discuss terms and conditions of tenancy with an, a, an individual association member and the member's chosen non-resident. 
President Gruber is inquiring whether we should uh, ha uh, move comment on uh, the proposed rules and regulations uh, change to the second public comment period. Um, if you if you wish, yeah, we could make that announcement and request that. I think we have uh, five, no, let's see. Looks like we only have three more members of the public wishing to speak at this time, so it's up to you. Okay. Um, Ms. Flores, can you please allow the next caller? Caller, you will have three minutes. Hello, Craig Barrent from Vertex Property Group. I'm speaking in reference to 3459 to Visadero the tandem parking, uh, the tandem parking issue. And I just wanted to say that when our client originally bought the building, um, they have paperwork that we provided to the ALJ and we're speaking, I'm speaking in favor of the ALJ's decision uh, to uphold it. Um, and the paperwork that we turned in shows that there were 15 parking spaces, not 16 and that the parking space that Mr. Gladstone is parking in um, only has one space, not two spaces. So I just wanted to make that point. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Ms. Flores, can you please allow the next caller? Caller, you will have three minutes. Good evening. My name is Laura Campbell. I represent the owner of 1301 La Playa, which is line A, the first item. Uh, so this is tonight's only item relating to ADU petitions. So just as a quick reminder and to differentiate uh, this issue, uh, what's at issue before the board tonight is whether or not the proposed construction plans will result in a removal or substantial reduction of housing services. So if it's a pretty singular issue, uh, is there or is there not going to be a substantial reduction in housing services resulting from the construction? Uh, with that out of the way, I'll note this tenant's appeal spends a lot of time discussing the notice served at the property, alerting the tenants as to the construction project. And I want to briefly clarify that whether or not the owner got service exactly right on the first go is essentially irrelevant here. Uh, first, because they fixed it and now all the tenants have received notice. And also because the purpose of the notice is so the tenants can know to object and to have a hearing. And that's exactly what happened here. Due process happened here. Uh, the tenant who filed this appeal received the notice. She objected. The objection was considered timely and, and she had a full hearing. Um, so this can be a little confusing, but I just want to clarify, there is no requirement that the notice contain details about the plans or individual housing services. Uh, that's what the hearing is for that happened. Um, there's no standard on what a notice has to contain uh, for the rent board to analyze. The notice just has to have a blanket statement that no reduction will occur. It doesn't have to delineate. No parking, no laundry will change. Um, again, that's what the hearing's for. That's what happened through the due process. Uh, so with that in mind, with regard to the actual findings, I do think they're fairly clear on their face uh, that they were made within the parameters of the ALJ's discretion. Uh, the tenant complained of changes to the garage, to garbage, laundry, uh, balcony, and utility costs. 
again, most of these are self-explanatory, so I'll try to go pretty quickly, but just quickly to highlight, uh, the garbage service visits per week are increasing, the laundry appliance number is increasing, uh, and the balconies are not actually located in the common area where the ADs are being built, so that whole issue is actually a bit of a red herring. They're pertinent to specific units, so they're not being affected, they're not being taken over for the ADUs, they're not a part of the ADU construction. Um, and then finally, the ALJ found that the garage changes won't result in reductions, and there's no evidence that you, the utilities will even change. So with each of those um, kind of bullet points checked off, I, I would encourage the board to determine that the ALJ exercised reasonable discretion in concluding the proposed project will not result in removal or substantial reductions of housing services. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Ms. Flores, do we have additional members of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment? We have one more caller in the queue. Can you please allow the caller? Caller, you will have three minutes. Hi, my name is Denise Shutt, and um, <clears throat> we're, uh, I'm asking about the item C, 1235 Washington Street, in which uh, the tenant served us with an unlawful rent increase. First of all, they were the ones that gave us the rent increase because we told them paying $600 a month wasn't enough for us to keep the building. It belonged to my 90-year-old father who never kept track of anything. There was no written lease, no dollar amount, no anything. So we came to them and we asked them if we could codify and get a written lease and start all over with a new rent. They agreed, they picked the rent amount. They, we have an email stating that they would be okay paying $15.50 a month. That was their idea. And even at $15.50 a month with that increase, we could not afford to keep the building. At that meeting in which we asked them, could they do this, their comment to us was, we will think about it. You know that you have no rights to this building, that we own it. Your only right is to sell it. So we did end up exercising that right because we could not afford to support their lifestyle with the little rent they were paying us. And everything they've done has been in retribution and retaliation to us putting the place up for sale. In any case, the building has been sold and it closed on January 6th. So whatever overpayment you feel we owe, it needs to be adjusted to reflect that date. I also want to make a statement about your mission statement in which you stated that the rent board, the purpose of it is to make sure that tenants are not uh, treated poorly and, and charged unfair rent increases while being fair to landlords. I find that $685 for a 1,500-square-foot flat by Grace Cathedral, I don't find that fair to the landlord at all. We couldn't afford to keep this building that had been in our family for 91 years. We finally had to give it up because we couldn't afford any of the repairs. And this particular tenant constantly bullied us, constantly bullied my father, constantly did things that... Well, for instance, putting in a washing machine without our permission and creating a leak that we had to fix. It was constant, not harassment, but just bullying. So we just couldn't do it anymore. So I'm just asking the board to please reconsider what is fair. Um, and also, you know, we did sell the building on January 6th. It's, it breaks my heart that we had to get rid of our family home that has been in our family for four generations. But $685 a month is not enough to maintain the building, pay taxes, 
pay insurance, anything, and, and have tenants that take over the, the building. He brought in people that, and didn't tell my father. It was just, it was a, just got to be too much for us. So I just, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. Well, I do need the dollar amounts adjusted if you are not going to reconsider our appeal. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Ms. Flores, are there any additional members of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment? No, not at this time. Okay. I think uh, everybody who uh, wanted to was able to provide comment. And there will be a second public comment opportunity after the consideration of appeals. So um, we are going to exit the first of two public comment call-in periods this evening. Um, and I will hand the mic over to President Gruber. Thank you. Okay, we will now move on to consideration of appeals. And for the first, uh, 1301 La Playa Street, uh, do I have a motion to recuse uh, Commissioner Wasserman? Yeah, I had to file a, a, the ethics commission on this because while I had no participation in this matter, I uh, do represent uh, the owners in unrelated matters. So, all right. Okay, uh, we'll move forward. The tenant's objection to the landlord's ADU declaration was denied. The administrative law judge found that the landlord's proposed additional dwelling unit construction project, as proposed, would not result in a substantial reduction in housing services pursuant to rent ordinance section 37.2R. On appeal, the tenant argues in part that she was not provided proper notice of the proposed ADU work under the planning code and that she was unfairly prejudiced by the landlord's late submission of evidence. I'll second. Discussion? Call for the vote. This is quite a production. Thank you, President Gruber. Pardon me. Uh, Commissioner Tom, did you first or second that? First. Commissioner Mossbrecker was, I'm sorry. President Gruber was second. Thank you, President Gruber. <laughs> We're going to hang out here together. Okay. Uh, a motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Tom. President Gruber. Uh, Commissioner Mossbrecker, Commissioner Chan, and Commissioner Hung.
the uh, hearing officer's decision stands. We can ask uh, Commissioner Wasserman to return, please. We'll move on to item B, 227 Brazil Avenue. The tenant's petition claiming an unlawful rent increase was granted, and the landlords were found liable for rent overpayments in the amount of $20,361.40. On appeal, the landlords argue that the tenant's increased payments represented utility costs and not rent subject to limitation under the ordinance, and that the rent board lacks jurisdiction over the tenant's claim. Any discussion? Call for the vote. A motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbrecher? Commissioner Chan? Aye. President Gruber? Commissioner Wasserman Aye. and Commissioner Hung. The rent board, uh, the rent uh, uh, hearing officer's decision stands. Item C, 1235 Washington Street. The tenant's petition claiming an unlawful rent increase was granted, and the landlords were found liable for rent overpayments in the amount of $38,000. $353.29. On appeal, the landlords claimed that there were factual errors in the decision, that the tenant's rent history evidence was insufficient, and that the tenant's corrected rent is inadequate and not comparable with rents in neighboring units. I'd like to ask this of the senior administrative law judges, but if the property had already changed hands and the lease runs with the land, meaning that the tenant's rights and obligations are with the property, not the individual owner that already sold it, shouldn't the new landlord be uh, the one being addressed here? And because they're the only one that can either resubmit or do something with it later? Um, we were only informed that the property had been sold on appeal. So at the time of the hearing, they owned the property. And as far as we knew at the time that the decision was issued, they owned the property. So this was new information to the ALJ on appeal. And I believe the, um, the appeal itself was mailed to the new owners to give them an opportunity to submit any additional you know, objection they had in support of the appeal as well. Help me, so, so at this point, is there an avenue for the, uh, uh, who, who's responsible for the payment? Is that what we're, what we're talking about? So, you know, I guess either owner could um, refund the money that was awarded to the tenant in the decision 
And if neither does, then the tenant has the right to apply that amount as a rent credit towards their ongoing rent. And if the new owner fail, feels that they uh, that wasn't disclosed to them by the prior owner, that there was this uh, potential liability, then I guess they have a claim against the, uh, the, the prior owner. It's a Baychester case, exactly. There's successor liability for these, uh, these claims. I had one more uh, question, and that was the uh, uh, adjustment or, or the agreement as to what the rent was. And in the absence of any rental agreement, any basis to know, uh, the starting rent of 295 um, neither party had any evidence that that was the amount. And I was wondering why um, it wouldn't at least start where they both agreed on a, on a rental agreement, which was, uh, I think, upwards of $500 or something like that, that they finally agreed in writing. They both agreed that that was a starting point. Uh, I would disagree that the tenants didn't have any proof that they of the 295 rent. The tenants testified under oath, and that is evidence that of what the original rent was. And the landlord did not provide any counter evidence to that fact. Uh, fully understood, uh, but uh, 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 for me, it was it was. Uh, uh, Neither had any evidence, in very pure and simple. Any further discussion? Just to respond to that, so that the first documentary evidence that we had of the tenant's rent history was uh, the rent increase notice that the tenants submitted that increased the rent to uh, $619 in 2009. So if we'd started at that date, actually the ALJ had done the calculations, and if we just said, let's just start at 2009, the result would have been worse for the landlord in that case. So just looking at the earliest documentary evidence that we had and disregarding the tenant's testimony, it would have been an, an even larger liability for the landlord. Thank you. Any further discussion? Thanks, the audio situation is very interesting this evening. Uh, a motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbrecher. Commissioner Chan. President Groomer. Commissioner Wasserman. And Commissioner Hung. The hearing officer's decision stands. We move on to item D, 1950 Franklin Street, apartment number six. The tenant's application for deferral of a capital improvement pass-through due to financial hardship was granted. 
the decision found that the tenant is the sole occupant of the subject unit and qualifies for hardship relief as a recipient of means-tested public assistance. On appeal, the landlord contends that the unit is occupied by a second adult that may have additional income. Should this not be uh, uh, given back to, to see if there is a second occupant? This is information I think that came later. The, the, the hearing officer wasn't uh, um, alerted to. Just to reiterate, uh, Commissioner Chan and Commissioner Wasserman have questions for staff. Um, so the way we handle hardship applications is we send it to the, to the landlord and give them the opportunity to object. They object. We decide whether to have a hearing or not. In this case, there was no objection. So all that the ALJ knew was what the tenant stated in the application was that there, she was the sole occupant. So this on appeal, the, the landlord is arguing that there's a second occupant. What they were given notice of the hardship application and given the opportunity to ask for a hearing. Just to reiterate, Commissioner Wasserman is withdrawing his motion. Yes, we do. And when we have that situation, then we have to look at everyone's income. And we can't just grant it based on means-tested public assistance. So that could be an issue in this case. I don't know because we don't have any information about the second occupant. Is there a second? I second. Any further discussion? Call for the vote. I need another hand. Um, pardon me. Give me just one second. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who seconded that? Commissioner Mossberger? President Gruber, thank you. Got turned around there. A motion to accept the appeal and remand the case to the ALJ for a hearing on the issue of whether there is a second adult in the household that may have an additional income. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Mossbrucker? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. 
And Commissioner Hung. Okay, the motion to remand the, uh, for a new hearing, will, uh, the parties will be notified uh, from the rent board as to the schedule. We move to item E, 1369 Hyde Street, apartment 51. The tenants petition alleging an unlawful rent increase under Costa-Hawkins Rental Housing Act was denied. The administrative law judge found that a rent increase was authorized because the original occupants have vacated and the remaining occupant is a subtenant who moved in after the tenancy commenced. The tenant appeals the decision and asserts that he is a co-tenant and not a subtenant because the landlord named him in the rental increase notice and accepted his rent payments. Second. Discussion? Call for the vote. A motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Mossbrucker? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. And Commissioner Hung? Aye. The hearing officer's decision stands. Next, we go to item F, 3459 Divisadero, and Commissioner Wasserman uh, is asked to be recused. Okay, item F, 3459 Divisadero Street, the tenant's petition alleging decreased housing services was denied. The administrative law judge found that the tenant failed to meet the burden of proving that that tandem use of his parking space was a housing service provided by the landlord. The tenant appeals arguing that he presented substantial evidence in support of his claim and that the administrative law judge gave disproportionate weight to the property manager's testimony. Oh, sorry. Thank you. I would move to grant the appeal because the issue is not the number of parking spaces, but how this particular parking space was used and the use that was allowed by the previous landlord of this single parking space for on some occasions as a double parking space and I think that they, it should go back and that the tenant should be allowed to present his additional witnesses to um, his use of the parking space over the years. Any, anybody, uh, want any discussion? I'm kind of curious at this time about how many of these people, what, what's this parking place being used for? But um, uh, please. Thank you. Thank you, President Gruber. Uh, Commissioner Mossbrucker, I just wanted to confirm the motion. So it was a motion to accept the appeal and remand the case for the ALJ to consider the tenant's additional witnesses. 
Commissioner Mossbrecher? Commissioner Chan? President Gruber? Commissioner Tom? And Commissioner Hung? So this would be the evidence that uh, supports the uh, uh, whether or not this, this parking space belongs to this agreement? Commissioner Mossbrecher just stated whether there was prior use of this space as a tandem space. I think that's. I think the issue is for the for the ALJ to reconsider whether this was a service since the inception of the tenancy, based on the additional evidence that was submitted on appeal, that wasn't submitted at the hearing. Does that sound right? Thank you. Ready for the vote? Okay, the decision is to remand for a new hearing and you'll receive a, um, uh, a communication from the rent board uh, uh, for date and time. Thank you. And uh, Commissioner Wasserman, you can return. We'll move on to item G, 1638 28th Avenue. Tenants' petitions alleging decreased housing services and improper pass-throughs were granted in two separate decisions. The landlord was found liable for rent reductions in the amount of $2,527.50 for decreased housing services, and the administrative law judge also determined that there were no valid pass-throughs in effect. On appeal, the landlord states she disagrees with the decisions and the tenant's testimony was untruthful. Any further discussion? A motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbrooker? Commissioner Chan? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. And Commissioner Hung? The hearing officer's decision stands. Item H is 816 Geary Street, number 34. The tenant's petition alleging decreased housing services was granted in part and the landlord was found liable for rent reductions in the amount of $575 for issues with the bathtub faucet and showerhead. On appeal, the tenant restates her objections to the landlord's installation of low-flow plumbing fixtures 
in her bathroom and kitchen. Second, I, I agree. I think the tenant is bound by the original agreement that they made at the mediation and can't at this time ask for additional monies. Further comments? Call for the vote. A motion to deny the appeal. Commis Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Mossbrucker? Commissioner Chan and Commissioner Hung. We now move to remarks from the public. Number two, all yours. Thank you, President Gruber. Okay. It is now time for the second of two public comment periods. Both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. For all members of the public, whether appearing in person or remotely, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged but not required to state your name for the record. If you are calling to speak regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence in regards to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be muted. Uh, as stated earlier, public comment from members of the public appearing in person will be taken first, but at this time, it looks like all members of the public have left the in-person meeting. So we will go into uh, taking public comment from any members of the public appearing remotely. Let's see. Ms. Flores, do we have any members of the public wishing to provide comment at this time? Yes, we have one caller. Great. Please allow the caller. Caller, you will have three minutes. This is Denise again from 1235 Washington Street. Uh, first of all, I agreed with the other gentleman who said the burden of proof to have the starting point was on the tenant. We never saw the proof. He produced this little piece of paper, which I never saw because we did not visual. He just presented it at the Zoom meeting, and because I didn't have visual due to technical difficulties, I didn't get to see whatever he, it was that he presented. So, but that's beside the point. If you guys want to take his word for it, that's okay because that really is just his word. It, it really was no proof because no one got to verify where this piece of paper came from. The other, um, the other uh, issue is that uh, we do need the overpayment adjusted because, as I said, we had to sell the building. So we only collected six days' worth of rent in January. The rest of the rent went to the new owners. So we need a new statement from the rent board indicating um, the exact overpayment. Your overpayment was based on a full seven months as if we collected rent for January, but we did not collect rent for January. We only collected six days. So the dollar amounts have to be adjusted. 
Um, I think I'd rather have the adjustment coming from the board rather than um, the land, uh, us and the new landlords trying to um, figure it out. I'd rather have the board figure it out. It's more official and it will be more binding and it won't involve us. So um, although I do not agree with your denial of our appeal, I can't do anything about it because that's just the way San Francisco works. I do not agree with the dollar amount because we, do, uh, we didn't collect rent for January, only six days. So can you please adjust the dollar amount? Thank you. Thank you, caller. Ms. Flores, do we have any additional members of the public wishing to provide comment at this time? Yes, we have one more caller in the queue. Thank you so much. Uh, please allow the caller. Caller, you will have three minutes. Can you guys all hear me? Yes. Okay, perfect. My name is Colin Halliday. I'm the resident manager at 3459 Visadero Street. And wanted just to make this point because I feel like, in my opinion, this is very black and white. Um, so I just wanted to go over tenants failed to provide this, quote, parking arrangement to the new management when the building was bought and sold approximately 20 years ago. Tenant also failed to provide this parking arrangement to the new property manager, which took over in July of 2023. Tenant has absolutely zero written or any evidence that this, that this arrangement exists. And I've been doing real estate um, for nine years. Every real estate attorney I've ever spoken to has said that if you do not have it in writing, then there's nothing to fall on. So in my opinion, there is no evidence and his testimonials, um, just because some people have seen him use that spot doesn't mean that was a legitimate arrangement between tenant and owner or tenant and property management. That's it. Thank you, caller. Ms. Flores, do we have additional members of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment? No, not at this time. So members of the public, uh, the remote meeting instructions have changed slightly. And if you wish to provide remote public comment, you must enter a webinar numeric password after, after entering the access code. So I'm just going to repeat this once in case there are any additional members of the public on the meeting wishing to provide comment. So while you may view the meeting using the link located on the website and the agenda and remote meeting access information, Remote public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. And the phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415-655-0001. You will then enter access code 2495-655-4884, press pound, and then enter the webinar numeric password 7368 and press pound again. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear, you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When the system says you are being asked to unmute yourself, to unmute, press star six, dial star and then six. 
Please make sure that you are in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, TVs, and other devices around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. You may then give your comment. To withdraw your question, dial star and three again and you will hear you have lowered your hand. When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. Ms. Flores, do we have any additional members of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment? Yes, we have one more caller in the queue. Thank you so much. Please allow the caller. Caller, you will have three minutes. Sorry, this is Denise again. So what do I do about the adjustment? Will you be readjusting the dollar amount and, and and giving everyone the notice what we owe them and so, so that we so ma'am ma'am you've had your opportunity for public comment so please call the office tomorrow if you have questions regarding uh, your case thank you so much Ms. Flores, are there additional members of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment? No, not at this time. Thank you so much. So we'll give it just a couple more moments. Doesn't appear that any member of the public has raised their hand wishing to provide comment. Is that is that right, Ms. Flores? That's right. There are no more callers. Okay, great. Thank you so much for confirming. So we're going to go ahead and exit the second of two public comment call-in periods this evening. Um, so we have concluded the in-person public comment for the evening uh, here at 25 Van Ness, room 610, and all the members of the public have departed the meeting at this time and we are concluding the uh, remote public comment as well and thank you uh, members of the public for your patience uh, as we go through this brand new process this evening and I will hand it off to President Gruber uh, with that we now move on to communications executive director I will be talking to you again hi Pardon me, give me just a second. Okay, good evening, commissioners. I'm not used to seeing you in person, so if I leave my reading glasses on, I cannot see you, so <laughs> I will be switching back and forth. Um, this is Executive Director Christina Varner, and uh, you should have received articles from staff from the SF Chronicle, SF Standard, KQED, and NBC Bay Area. You will also find the workload statistics for January 2023. Um, and I believe there was also uh, a case uh, that was uh, put, I think, in your folders today. It may have been emailed to you as well, or uh, transmitted electronically, NCR Properties LLC versus City of Berkeley, which we can discuss a little bit more later. And that's all for communications, President Gruber.
Thank you. We now move on to a director's report. Should take this on the road. Um, <laughs> hi. I know I really have to put on my glasses, pardon me. Good evening, commissioners. This is Executive Director Christina Varner again. It is really, I have to say, I'm going to look at you. It's a pleasure to see everyone in person. I have not seen some of you for, oh, I don't know, three years in person. <laughs> and it's really nice. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's been quite a lift to get here. And thanks for joining this evening. <laughs> it's great to see you. Um, and happy Pi Day to everybody. Um, so, yeah, this is a little bit to talk about this evening. So some good news. Um, we made it through the March 1st deadline for all owners reporting into the housing inventory and for timely payment of the 2023 rent board fee. Um, things mellowed out ever so slightly. And now this week, um, delinquent owners have received notices from the city's uh, Bureau of Delinquent Revenue and uh, we have received a whole new wave of public contacts. Um, so we ask that owners continue to please open their mail and contact 311 before it gets to this stage and to please remember that staff are working their hardest to help resolve issues. Um, I just, again, a huge thanks again goes to the Rent Board's Public Information Unit counselors and staff um, and the Housing Inventory and Rent Board Fee Unit who are all working very, very hard. Um, departmental operations remain the same with uh, ongoing phone counseling open and available to the public from nine to noon and one to four, Monday through Friday, excluding holidays, and uh, staff continue to work on a hybrid basis, and it will remain that way for a uh, foreseeable future. I wanted to provide a few updates in regards to outreach. Um, so we are engaging in uh, various outreach activities, and I try to keep you updated as to those. And of course, it's uh, definitely very, very busy, and, but we're really working to get the word out about the housing inventory. So uh, the department presented at the Professional Property Managers uh, Association monthly membership lunch last week. Uh, I uh, went and uh, spoke with property managers there, and this morning, Staff member Jennifer Rakowski presented on the housing inventory and other items to tenant advocates at the Housing Rights Committee. And tonight, uh, as we speak, uh, staff members Jennifer Rakowski, Evelyn Benitez, and Van Lamb are presenting on the housing inventory at the Small Property Owners of San Francisco Institute monthly membership meeting. So that should really, uh, and they are presenting both in English and Cantonese. Um, so. Uh, we're thrilled to make that connection and really get the word out, increase uh, the word about the inventory since there is um, a bit of a, a low reporting rate at this time. Uh, we do welcome new and increased opportunities for outreach uh, around the inventory. Uh, the department would again like to remind property owners that although the housing inventory reporting deadline for owners of all properties was March 1st, 2023, the rent board portal has not closed for reporting. Um, owners can easily access the portal to report information on their units to obtain a license to increase their tenants rent Owners can go to the rent boards website at sf.gov forward slash rent board or directly to the portal at portal.sfrb.org to report um, If any owner is having issues with reporting into the housing inventory, they should contact 311 uh, as well 
timely rent board fee payments were due March 1st. Uh, payment now incurs a 5% penalty and then a 10% penalty in April and a 15% penalty in May. Just a reminder that owners can pay via the rent board portal online, again at portal.sfrb.org, or by mailing a check into the rent board's PO box or walking a check or cash payment into the treasurer and tax collector's office during business hours. And again, if owners have questions regarding the fee, they can contact 311. Did anybody have any questions before I move on? So I just, I just, I, uh, members of the public and the uh, listening remotely may not have heard Commissioner Mossbrucker who said she had attempted to access the portal and it was a bit glitchy. Sometimes it can be glitchy. There have been moments, particularly around March 1st, there were moments when there was extremely high traffic, um, things we had not ever experienced before in regards to the portal. Um, happy, staff are happy to look at it with you. If you want to take a look um, and see different ways, you can access the portal just simply by using the search feature um, or other ways you might be able to access, definitely. Is there any other comment? Commissioner Sani. Absolutely, so just to reiterate, Commissioner Sani was uh, bringing forward that the rent board engage in outreach uh, around issues additional to the inventory and the fee. And we do that quite frequently. I was uh, speaking with a staff member today which was shedding some light, uh, someone that I you know, don't speak with every day who was saying that it seems like all of San Francisco knows about the rent board at this time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think once we, um, you know, sort of move out of this initial reporting period where we've seen kind of low turnout in regards to reporting, we would probably launch back into some, some efforts to um, bring sort of our core subjects back around um, for tenants and landlords um, to just familiarize or re-familiarize themselves with. Thank you so much. Did anybody else have anything before I move on? Thank you. Um, so just a little legislative update. So on March 7th, the Board of Supervisors introduced file number 230260, which would extend the local eviction moratorium that provides a defense to certain non-payment of rent evictions. The moratorium is currently set to expire at the same time as the mayor's COVID-19 emergency proclamation which has not yet occurred. And this legislation would extend the eviction moratorium to cover rent payments that come due within 60 days after the emergency proclamation ends. Uh, you've also seen the case NCR Properties LLC versus City of Berkeley, and for that I'm gonna hand it off to my colleague, Senior ALJ Kumis. Uh, yeah, so we included this recent Court of Appeal decision in your packets. I think it was just a few days ago it was issued, published decision, um, and it interprets the new construction exemption in the California Costa Hawkins Rental Act. 
so essentially, the court found that uh, conversion of existing residential space into new units does not meet the requirement for the new construction exemption in Costa Hawkins, even when a new certificate of occupancy is issued. Uh, the decision really provides a, a pretty good overview of new construction exemption issues. Uh, and the court's analysis was pretty consistent with the way we've ruled in these cases. Uh, so I just encourage you to, to read through it. Thanks. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so. And then we have Burien in 2014, and this is just kind of an extension of that same kind of line of reasoning. That was it. Thank you, Judge Cummins. Uh, just two more items. So this is the last meeting to remind you that commissioners have until April 1st to timely file your Form 700s and complete the required ethics and sunshine training. If you do not timely file, a fine may be assessed for each day of non-reporting. But more importantly, you would not be able to vote at the subsequent board meeting. Uh, so please file. We really appreciate that. Um, we thank the two commissioners who have completed their filings in their entirety and the other two who have completed part of their filings. And thank you all for taking care of that on time. Really appreciate it. Who's completed? Uh, you are on that list. <laughs> For members of the public who couldn't hear, Commissioner Wasserman was confirming that he has completed his uh, Form 700 in Sunshine and Ethics. It is, I, I will uh, second that. There is, it's quite a system, net file. Um, and uh, I will also say, Commissioner Wasserman, you are the first to file every year. So... Uh, <laughs> It, it, I was able to read that it was successful, and Commissioner Haley has also completed uh, filings too. So, and some other commissioners have completed part of their filings. So, um, please, please uh, complete those by the end of this month. Um, did anyone have any questions regarding that? Right, I think it's the, the, the first is a Saturday. Thank you, Commissioner Chance, April 3rd. But better, better earlier than later, right? <laughs> um, let's see. So uh, finally, and it looks like she's still there, I wanted to introduce Heidi Liu, who is a new senior clerk in the Housing Inventory and Rent Board Fee Unit. Uh, Heidi joined us to replace a staff member who took a promotive opportunity elsewhere. And we are thrilled to have Heidi at the department she formerly worked at the Human Services Agency in the CalWORKs unit and also for the SF Public Library and she speaks Cantonese. Um, so she is quite accustomed to dealing with the public and um, we are extremely happy to have her because we are extremely busy in her unit. So thank you, Heidi. Uh, I'm not sure if she is able to uh, turn her camera on, but that's okay. Heidi has been observing the meeting this evening. Um, and that is the director's report. Thank you, President Gruber. Can we move on to 
Old business. Old business. Uh, item A, future rent board commission meetings. So just really briefly, um, we're now attending in-person meetings, as you can see. Uh, as far as meeting materials are concerned, we're going to continue to distribute meeting material digitally and on paper for now. It just seems to be kind of working for everybody. Um, we are, in regards to meeting materials, we have found it quite challenging to hold a hybrid meeting and keep all track of the numerous amounts of meeting materials that are coming in at all hours of the day and night. So. We may seek a bit of guidance on that to see if there are things we can actually do to uh, manage better for you as the commissioners receiving the documents and for staff. It is, it's uh, quite, quite a bit of documents that, you know, is just sort of flying around at any time. And we really want to just have, you know, if we're sending documents digitally, just want to have a total of probably three notifications for the entire meeting instead of numerous notifications that things have been added um, to OneDrive. It's, it's just a lot. So um, in regards to this meeting, obviously we're having issues with the sound. This is great learning process for us. Um, but if you have any concrete constructive feedback regarding this meeting or prep for the meeting, please you know, reach out. You can bring it forward now, bring it forward, you know, give me a call. Um, we, you know, again, this is a big experiment today and we just keep wanna, keeping, want to make it better. Commissioner Haley. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so just to reiterate, Commissioner Haley had a question about accepting documents up until the very last moment of the meeting. And um, I mean, historically, we've just sort of always accepted them. Now, the way they were uh, transmitted to the commissioners was different. For tonight, you're receiving uh, folders. And so typically, you wouldn't receive anything for several days before the meeting and it would just all be in your folder and the public would be warned that the commissioners would have about 10 minutes to look at all the materials they were given at the meeting. So it was sort of like, you know, a last ditch thing. But I do want to, you know, make clear we're seeking guidance if there's some way that we can just have a true cutoff time where no materials will be, you know, people can submit what they want but they're not going to get to the commissioners in consideration of the appeal. So um, it's, it's just been a lot for staff and commissioners receiving that. And we're, we're well aware. So thank you for uh, speaking up about that. We may. Uh, let, me, let me get a little bit of information, Commissioner Mossbrecker, and um, bring it back if that works. Then if it, if it works for you, we can leave this item on the agenda for the next meeting and try to get some good information can be discussed what, 
Yes. Thanks. Um, and that is old business item. Where are we? Hey. Oh, please. Yeah, I was going to move to item B. That's item B. Pardon, Commissioner Wasserman, I just wanted you to be audible. Thank you. Commissioner Klein called me this afternoon, two sick kids, so she couldn't make it last minute. And uh, I would ask that we, this is really a, a something that she brought forward and uh, based on her experiences, I suppose. And uh, I would ask that we consider this at the April uh, meeting instead. Yeah, She's not here, so that's I. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have chosen not to submit a draft. I, I really think it's premature for us to be considering rules and regs on this issue. I've asked, I talked to staff about it and, and asked for got some guidance and was told that they haven't had enough experience yet to feel comfortable providing guidance. So um, let's put it over. That's perfectly fine with me. Need a vote, or? Commissioner Mossberg, I just wanted to clarify that you would like old business item B, proposed amendments to rules and regulations, section 1010, regarding tenant right to organize legislation, uh, to be continued to uh, next month's meeting, the April 11th meeting. Okay, great, and Commissioner Wasserman as well. Okay, thank you, Commissioner Sani. <laughs> Commissioner Sonny brought forward about preferred cutoff dates of receipt of meeting material submissions from the public. Yeah, so both so both uh, both items on old business that tonight a future rent board commission meeting which includes uh, receipt of meeting materials and then uh, proposed amendments to rules and regulations section 1010 regarding tenant right to organize legislation both items will be continued to the April 11th meeting does that sound right great does everybody have the uh, 1010 submittal is that we were given that at what a meeting ago. Does that need to be reissued? Please. No. I think it would be good if we had in the next packet both the proposal at 49A and perhaps um, Supervisor Chen, Chen's letter regarding this issue.
Okay, uh, that concludes old business, so we go on to new business. Is there any new business? There's no new business. Calendar items? April 11th, 2023, there will be an in-person meeting at 25 Venus Avenue, room 610, which is the room that we're currently sitting in. And this meeting will be streamed on WebEx with remote public comment available. We currently have one appeal consideration for that date. And reader of the Ramaytu Shaloni Land Acknowledgement will be... Uh, Commissioner Crow. Being no further business, we're adjourned. And I wish to thank the uh, staff for putting this all together. Monumental. I wish we could do something about the acoustics.